Well, good morning, my friends. It's Tuesday. It's February 9th, 2021, and um, I hope that you are well. We are in our series uh, that I hope you're enjoying, The Passion of Jesus Christ, uh, by the book uh, by John Piper, um, who this, this book, I cannot recommend it enough, 50 Reasons Why Jesus Came um, to Die for Us. It's not just the singular reason of freeing us from sin, but there's so much more. But today, we actually look at to free us from the slavery of sin. Uh, I don't think it's often we, that we think of sin as slavery. We think of it as a bad deal. We think of it as breaking God's commandments. But truly, slavery is a sin. And uh, God came... Um, he wrapped himself in human flesh and paid a price for our sin to free us from the slavery of sin. Uh, it's not often you'll hear me say this, but turn to the book of Revelation as we start this morning. It's not Revelations. It's Revelation. It's one Revelation. So in Revelation chapter 1, uh, I want to read verses 4, 5, and 6. John, the best friend of Jesus Christ. Uh, some people say Revelation isn't that important. The book isn't that important. Um, it was important enough for Jesus to reveal it to his best friend. John was his best friend and the keeper of his mother after Jesus died. So I think it's pretty important. It's not everything, but I think we should have at least a working knowledge of the book of Revelation uh, John says this uh, in verse 4, chapter 1, verse 4, John to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. Underline that. Who he is, who was and was to come. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8 says, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. He was, he is, and he is coming back for you and I from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. There he is the ruler and the king. He fulfills, remember, prophet, priest, and king. To him who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood. To him who loves us and has freed freed us from our sins by his blood. And made us a kingdom. Priests, to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. And then, Back a few pages to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. And we'll look at verses 11 and 12. Talking about the sacrifices that are pleasing to God and this process of offering sacrifices, the writer of Hebrews says, For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice of sin and burnt offering are burned, or sins are burned outside the camp. The blood was shed and the bodies were taken outside the camp. Look at verse 12. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach as he has endured. Jesus Christ was crucified outside the city. His blood was shed and his body was take, was outside the city. And the writer of Hebrews says, so let's go out there with him. <laughs> let's remove ourselves from this um, situation and let's re- uh, place ourselves in the pr- proximity in the place where Jesus was. Meaning, not physically for us, but spiritually. 
Um, the price of our sin, uh, Piper says, our sin ruins us in two ways. It makes us guilty before God, that's the first, so that we are under his just condemnation. He is just and righteous to condemn us because we have broken his laws. And it makes us ugly in our behavior so that we disfigure the image of God. We are made in the image of God, Imago Dei. Uh, we are made in the image of God, and we're supposed to be on display and displaying his image. And yet we've made it ugly with our sin. And it, it uh, 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 so it damages that display, and it damns us with guilt, and it enslaves us to lovelessness. We have uh, changed the word, the meaning of so many words. And one of those meanings, as um, uh, my pastor John Siebert said on Sunday, is that we've changed the meaning of love. We've made it some emotional, ooey-gooey thing. Uh, we've also made it something that is so watered down. You know, we say, uh, I love my wife, I love tacos. <laughs> I love my dog, I love fresh air. Um, you know, the Greeks have four words or maybe five for love, um, depending on who you believe. We have one. And we've distorted it so much. I'd love to tell people that God isn't mad at us. He's madly in love with us. And I remember getting pushback on that from people saying, how can you say that? Because we're sinners. Yep, we're sinners. And he paid a huge price for us. If God's not madly in love with us, explain John three sixteen. If God's not madly in love with us, explain why he came and he died. One of those reasons is to free us from the slavery of sin. The blood of Jesus, back to Piper, frees us from both miseries. It satisfies God's righteousness so that our sins can be justly forgiven. And it defeats the power of sin to make us slaves to lovelessness. Uh, I've said it before, I'll say it again. Um, Jesus' death, resurrection, broke the power of sin and, or the curse of sin. Then he sent the Holy Spirit to help us overcome the power of sin. And one day when he, we die or he takes us home in the rapture, we'll be free from the presence of sin. But sin is always around. The answer is not um, in this liberation from sin. The answer is not that he is a powerful example to us and inspire us to free ourselves from selfishness. We live in a time right now that has taken the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and the life of Jesus Christ and reduced it to an example. Oh, he's a godly example, or he's a good example, and we should follow that, and we should love like he loves, and we should care for people. And people are saying he's a socialist, and people are saying um, he's for social justice. Jesus said the poor you'll have with you always. Jesus said to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy soul, thy mind, thy strength, and love others as, your, love others as yourself. But he didn't die to be an example. He died to free us from sin. Don't use this or allow people to use this as a way to justify their activities and say, well, I'm like Jesus because I love the poor. We're nothing like Jesus. The only way that we can become like Jesus is to have Jesus forgive us of our sins, break the slavery of sin in our lives, and then we walk as he walked and do what he did um, in his power, by his grace, and because of his freedom. Jesus is more than just an example. Turn to that scripture I just mentioned in John. In John chapter 13. 
and verses 34 and 35. John chapter 13, 34 and 35. A new commandment I give to you that you, ju- that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this will all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Was love brand new? Was there never love in the world before? No, but he says a new commandment I give to you. What's that commandment? That you're to love one another. (laughs) But if love was already in the world, how could it be new? Because loving one another through Christ is so much bigger than the love that this world talks about. But he's not, again, just a great example of love. He is the example of love because he was willing to give his life for you and I. The call is not to imitation. The call is to allow him to liberate us from the power of sin. Sin is such a powerful influence in our lives that we must be liberated by God's power, not by our willpower. It's not, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make myself a better person. No, It is submitting your life to Jesus Christ, who is the great liberator from sin. And then we walk in his words and we walk in his ways because of the power of his life within us. Is the power of God directed toward our liberation or our condemnation? Ooh, that's good. Is the power of God directed towards our liberation or our condemnations? That's where the suffering of Jesus Christ comes in. When Christ died to remove our condemnation, he opened, as it were, the valve of heaven's mighty mercy to flow on behalf of our liberation from the power of sin. Turn over to the book of Romans, a familiar portion of Scripture, Romans chapter 8, and let's read verses 1 and 2. Romans chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Another couple of great verses to memorize. The law in Jesus Christ, the, the liberation of Jesus Christ has freed us from the law of sin and death. So there's no, therefore no, no, now no condemnation. Uh, to those who are in Christ. It doesn't mean that we are, are perfect. It means that we're not condemned any longer, that he's forgiven us. So he didn't just come to make our life happy. He didn't just come to make us more loving. He didn't just come to give us an example. He came to liberate us from the power of sin and slavery and death. In other words, he came to rescue us from the guilt of sin and the wrath of God had to proceed the rescue from the power of sin by the mercy of God. Let me read that again. In other words, rescue from the guilt of sin and the wrath of God had to precede rescue from the power of sin by the mercy of God. So he came to absorb. We, we, we remember that maybe from the first lesson. Jesus came to absorb the wrath of God. So once the wrath of God is appeased, it's taken care of, then God frees us or strengthens us. He frees us from the power of sin, strengthens us, um, and, and we, we are free from the curse of sin. We're strengthened from the power of sin, and one day we will be removed from the presence of sin. But he also secures not just justification, But justification proceeds and secures sanctification. Justification, that freedom from sin, or justified in Christ, precedes and secures sanctification. We don't clean ourselves up 
to earn God's forgiveness. We are forgiven, and because of that forgiveness, we're set free. And because of that, then flows the cleansing of sanctification. It can't be the other way around. We don't clean ourselves up and come to God. God cleans us up through Jesus Christ as we accept the sacrifice of the Savior, Jesus Christ. And then from that sanctification or a separation from sin and sinful activities happens. They're much different. One is an instantaneous declaration, we're not guilty. When you become a Christian, when you come to Christ, you're not guilty, boom. It doesn't mean your life is cleaned up. But at that moment, if something happened and you pass from this life into the next, because of his work in your life, you're clean. You can stand before God. But as you walk out this life, you walk out this life and God begins this ongoing transformation of sanctification. Now, for those who are trusting Christ, the power of God is not in the service of his condemning wrath, but his liberating mercy. We walk on this planet now in Christ as a, as a Christian, as a child of God, not in his condemnation, but under his continued correction. Because the Bible says whom he loves, he chastens or he corrects and he guides us and he leads us and he strengthens us. And what does that life begin to look like? Let's look at Galatians chapter five. Galatians chapter five, verses 22 and 23, it says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against such things, there is no more law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh, which is passed with its passions and desires. If we live by the spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. There are things that are laid down. There are things that are broken. There are things that are removed. Uh, And all of a sudden, there are changes that take place because God's presence lives within us in the Holy Spirit, and he uh, welcomes us, strengthens us, teaches us, guides us into this life of righteousness. Turn to um, Romans chapter 6 and verse 14. Romans chapter 6, verse 14 says this, for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. Jesus didn't come, I say this all the time, to free the Romans or free the Jews from Roman um, oppression, Roman slavery. Jesus came to set them free from sin. And he comes to set you and I free. Being under grace secures the omnipotent power of God to destroy our lovelessness, not all at once, but progressively. We are not passive in the defeat of our selfishness, but neither do we provide the decisive power. It is God's grace. Hence, the great apostle said this in 1 Corinthians 15, 10. Look this up later. I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that was within me. Uh, Paul talking about his apostleship said, I worked harder than all of them, but it was not I, but it was the grace of God that lived within me. We don't clean ourselves up, but we're a part of the process as we yield to God, as we yield things in our life to God, as he puts his finger on things in our life and we go, you're right, that needs to go. May the God of all grace by faith in Christ free us from both the guilt and the slavery of sin. What a great way to end that uh, teaching by John Piper. Let me read it again. May the God of all grace, by faith in Christ, free us from both the guilt and the slavery 
of sin, for he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Let me pray for us in Numbers chapter 6, verse 24. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you. Till we talk again. <laughs>